Everybody, welcome to Multi Multi, a podcast discussing the multitude of multi site student ministry. Today, we're going to be having a conversation with Gina, Joe, and myself on the best practices for age old problem that all of us face, and that's how to recruit leaders, especially during a pandemic. Gina, Joe, how are you guys today? What's going on? Oh, man. I'm doing well, EJ. I love this age old problem recruiting leaders during a, a, a pandemic. But yeah, you know, it, I mean, it's an age old problem, but now there's certainly a twist on it, isn't there? Oh, yeah. oh, my goodness. Definitely, definitely heightened. And, you know, you know, how do you invite leaders into the something predictable, you know, and all those sorts of things in the midst of everything that's unpredictable. But, you know, me and mine, my family, we're doing well, we've been having a great summer. Um, as much as you lament the loss of being able to do certain things, especially certain ministry opportunities that we haven't had, um, we, we rejoice and know that God's doing a good work and uh, see this as a season of rest in some ways, as well as reflection and preparation for what's to come. So, yeah, man, doing all right. Yeah. Gina, can, how are, yeah. how are you? <laughs> all I can say is challenge accepted. Recruiting right. leaders during a pandemic. We we got this. We can do it, right? Um, yeah, we, we, we're gonna have know, to. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's it's coming. It's coming quick here. You know, speaking of coming coming quick, we're missing Kim today because she is ready for baby number one, the Schuler baby number one. Amen. Kim's at uh, about forty weeks, right? Joe, is she past her due date at this point? I think at the point that we're recording, Kim is a handful of days past her due date. So uh, hey. she's ready to, to go and uh, very much in our, our, our thoughts and prayers. And she obviously wishes she could be here, but we all know it's been such a blessing for her and her husband as they prepare for the gift of this child. So Kim, as, as you're listening to this, uh, sorry for the TMI and you being <laughs> past the 40-week mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we don't know. We don't know if it's a boy or if it's a girl. They're waiting yeah. until until sweet baby arrives. So, um, well, well, I'm excited for them. I'm excited for today's um, episode again. If um, if you just uh, for some reason hit that 15 second uh, fast forward today, we're going to be having a conversation on recruiting leaders um, during this time uh, within the pandemic, and uh, we want to share some some thoughts, some tips, some tricks, and hopefully help uh, you and your team uh, at different campuses recruit leaders in a time that honestly, I think for all of us is unlike anything we've ever seen or honestly can compare to. Obviously, we haven't seen a pandemic like this, but um, I don't know that we've had a challenge like this with recruiting um, before. And I, I know that uh, for many of us, this is such a radically different season of ministry. And Joe and Gina, I know that uh, the two of you and the student staff across uh, 19 campuses between both of, of your churches have some ba best practices when it already comes to recruiting leaders. And I've loved what you guys have shared in other episodes. Um, Joe, Gina, what are some of those best practices, tips and tricks, especially in the multi-site realm that you and your teams normally roll with um, in a typical year, not just the pandemic year. Yeah. Yeah. So although, you know, one of our best tips and tricks that's worked well for us across our campuses may not necessarily apply right now for people, but definitely something to be thinking about as you know, the, the school year rolls on. And that is that we, 
we remind our leaders early and often about committing to the next year because uh, again, we, we know that August comes about and you're always going to be looking for leaders, but we found it beneficial as I've shared in episodes before to have a better understanding in April or May uh, of what our leaders are thinking and where they're at and where they're committing uh, for if they're committing for the following school year, because then we're at least starting in April or May with a baseline of knowing, hey, 60 to 80% of our leaders are returning. And now we know that we need to find X amount of leaders. So that's a, that's a trick and, and a tip for everyone to put in their back pocket that will serve you come this time next year. But let me share something principally that, again, works itself out practically that everybody should be doing, not just when it comes to recruiting leaders, but when it comes to just leading your leaders throughout the year, and that's reminding them why they do what they do. I, I share with our leaders all the time that they don't serve me. You know, I'm, I'm a conduit. I'm, an, I'm a middleman between uh, what, what God placed on their heart and the opportunity that is in front of them to be able to serve him in such a way. I'm a, I'm a shepherd. I'm looking for under shepherds to come alongside, uh, that we get to serve alongside one another. But I think it's helpful, especially knowing with student ministries, there's so many asks that you have to make. And that if you continue to make ask after ask after ask, that it can seem relatively daunting or rigid, like I'm just there to fill a ratio or anything like that. But when we remind our leaders why we do what we do, it helps invite them into something greater than themselves. It helps in those moments in which it feels like I'm just being asked to do something, to see it more as a, hey, this is a part of what I signed up for. Uh, because again, they, they're there because God put a burden on their heart to serve students in such a way. I want to help them honor that and uh, remind them one of the best ways I can do that is to honor that um, you know, all throughout the year by reminding them. So uh, I think the last one I'll share real quickly is that anytime you're recruiting a leader, it can feel very, I don't know, at times slimy because you just feel like, hey, what are you doing for the next you know, 36 yeah. weeks of your life? You want to show up every Wednesday night and hang out with kids? I think it's good that whenever you're asking a leader um, to commit, that you are uh, encouraging them and saying, hey, regardless if you decide to be a leader with us or not, I wanted to share with you that in conversation with our student ministry staff, team, other current small group leaders, your name came up as the type of person who would be awesome at discipling students well. So even if you yeah. say no, I just want you to be encouraged as a brother and sister in Christ. And that kind of helps, you know, give me, me as the leader that feel like it puts aside that feeling of, oh, I'm just asking you to do something, uh, as well as serves an encouragement to another brother or sister in Christ, and perhaps gives you an opportunity to three, four, five months down the line to revisit that conversation if that person's initial answer was no. Uh, so that's, those are my, my things. We're, you know, commit early and often, remind them why they do what they do, and use the, the ask for somebody being a small group leader, use that as a way of encouraging a brother and sister in Christ, not just asking them to fill a ratio. I love those things, Joe. Later, I want to cycle back to ask if that commitment or that long-term ask initially has helped you continue to recruit in this season. But we'll, we'll track back to that 
Gina, tell me, tell me a little bit about um, how this is, you know, what the best practices during your typical have been. Um, and then let's, let's pivot to how uh, you are doing in this season with it. Yeah, I think one of the, whether it's a pandemic or not a pandemic, I think most of us know not to rely on like a church announcement or bulletin insert or Facebook post to recruit leaders, right? Like that's not, not a best practice. Um, It's a way that some people try to like get the word out, but it's that personal invitation. And I think Joe hit on it a little bit about asking early and asking often, Um, So just really, this is the time where we're having conversations um, starting in the spring to now with leaders about fall and whether they're coming back or not, as as Joan mentioned. Um, But it's also with our team. You've probably heard the phrase, I see in you conversations. I don't know who invented that. But um, somebody invented that, not me. But I encourage my team to like... I was talking with one of my leaders at another campus. They said, let's between the two of us um, make it a goal of having 50 ICNU conversations within the next two weeks. Um, And it doesn't matter if the person says yes or no. And what it is, it's just, hey, I noticed this about you. I think you'd make a really great small group leader. Have you ever thought about that? Uh, It's just planting the seed and seeing where it goes. Um, So it's just the ask and always be asking. And I like to maybe gamify everything. So or like 50 ask in two weeks. Um, But because like Joe mentioned, it's so encouraging when people notice your gifts and your abilities and to be asked into student ministry or into serving uh, in a church on some capacity. You know, somebody who we're both very familiar about uh, or with, Cindy Fiala, um, who's out in Colorado. We all love Cindy, um, how she champions um, so many different people. I always hear her describe it as shoulder tapping, right? Going yeah. up and, and tapping someone on the shoulder. But I, I like even more, literally the hair standing up on, on my arms um, on this breezy Metro Detroit day. Um, <laughs> I, you know, as I'm sitting on my, my patio, I love it. Um, is that I see you. It, it, yeah. There's something about that for me. And Joe, we have got to implement that within our culture because that's a conversation, like you said, Gina, that even if they don't commit, it's life-giving. It yeah. Praise the Lord for that. Wow. Even as you're, you're saying it, I think it's a, it's a cultural thing as well because that's a lot of times what we want uh, our leaders to, to replicate to students. Like, hey, I, I see in you uh, yeah. the work that God is doing. I, I know you. I see you. I think that this is, you know, what God's put in your heart, and I want to affirm that. So I think culturally for staff to mm-hmm. be able to do that with one another, to do that with those that they're recruiting and modeling that to, to those leaders to do the same with their students as their students are growing as young men and women after God's own heart is so encouraging. So, Gina, I, I love that. And we kind of hit on it a little bit, but is there any ways uh, in particular that some of those best practices have still existed or been tweaked as you approach the the upcoming school year? Yeah, some of the – it's asking – parents for like who do you know and asking leaders who they know so whether it's a little card they fill out or a phone call um, but just getting 
leads from people that are connected into your community. And you know what's so fun is, which I think you shared earlier, it's talking to a group of students and asking, hey, who do you think would make a great small group leader? And I give you a couple of names. Do you know how good it feels when you're that person they thought of? Um, so I think those are just common practices, asking parents for leads, asking your current volunteers for leads. Um, yeah. And I keep my eyes open. I think I... I could be shopping at a grocery store and someone will comment on all the crazy things in my shopping cart, you know, Doritos, cheese balls, Mountain Dew. And I'm like, Hey, pool noodles. Why do you have any pool noodles? Hi. I turned that into a recruiting conversation. Come on. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, amen. <laughs> no, that, 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 that quickly makes it, I think it was one of the youth pastor Facebook groups I saw yesterday. Walmart had a mountain of pool noodles on sale for 10 cents. Um, oh, yeah. Just because, I mean, we weren't out there buying them this year. I'm sure yeah. I'd love to see the market share that is youth pastors buying pool noodles. I, I, I transparently bought 208 um, bracelet packages of glow sticks because I use them to bribe my kids when they have a babysitter and Joe at Walmart, they were each 10 cents. That's so I even took it to the home front, baby. I, there you know, you know, thinking through some of that for ourselves in regard to what are those best practices? How have they maybe been tweaked in this upcoming year? I think that one of the ones has been the, the need for us to all the more be sharing stories um, via social uh, I, I know there's so many people, whether they be parents uh, or leaders or potential leaders who follow our social media accounts and everything. And that's always a great opportunity for them, again, to see the life change, to see the work that God is doing, just even see the work that God's doing through the ministry, whether it's even the services that we've been putting out or the weekly videos that we've been putting out. It lets a potential leader know that, hey, these are people who are actively looking to disciple and equip and encourage uh, students, whether through just the sharing of God's word or the sharing of how he's working in the life of students. And so I think more than ever before that as we're recruiting leaders, one of, one of the great opportunities that they have is to see, catch a glimpse of what it's like, especially in the season and knowing that so much, everything for most of us is still digital. So making sure that, um, you know, you're pointing people back to that, like, hey, catch a glimpse of what we're about and what God's doing in the life of students through social. So me and uh, our, our team have been talking about, hey, what is being put out there that um, is encouraging to the body of Christ, especially those who may feel a burden uh, and a calling to serve students as such. So love, love hearing how you're intentionally looking to recruit people in kind of unorthodox ways as well. So it's really cool to hear. <laughs> Yeah, can, can I ask a quick question that just came to mind, you know, as we're dialoguing here, um, have either of you guys, as, as you've tweaked in this season, uh, used kind of the, the persuasion, again, not in a, in a bad way, but, um, hey, we've actually found that some people in this season have more time than they used to because of their schedules. Has that come up in any of your discussions, you guys? Oh, can I add a story? I have oh, a leader a high capacity leader who is a nurse okay. and um, she's one of my volunteers. And during this, she like signed up for some like 
multi-level marketing, whatever, whatever. And I'm, so I'm thinking of people like her, high capacity, um, right. busy being a nurse, but also still on, on the flip side has a little extra time and she's saying yes to selling some like nail stuff. So I'm like, people are looking for something to say yes to. And mm -hmm. wow, I keep thinking of Andy Stanley at the Orange Conference just asking what is the face of the next generation worth? And it, it matters so much. And I think there are people out there that, yes, they see what's going on in the world and they want to make a difference. Yeah, yeah. certainly. And I want to say yes. That's really good, EJ, that thought. Uh, and, and Gina, I love that story. It does enlighten the fact that even somebody who we would assume, especially in this season, would be super busy. is right. looking for other opportunities. I've been thinking a little bit about that, EJ, in regard to some of our, our students who who are currently planning on going away to college who once served as small group leaders. Yeah. It looked like to have a conversation with them, especially if they get sent home. It was one thing when they got sent home in March, you know, uh, and there's only like eight weeks left of school year ministry. But, you know, what does it look like if they get sent home in October? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and now they're just doing all online classes. You know, they, they already know the ministry. They're already been small group leaders. Uh, how do you get them involved in this season? So it's definitely something I've given a little bit of thought to, but I think that for those of us listening and myself included, it perhaps should embolden us a little bit to be thinking creatively and to make more asks to be like, mm -hmm. you know, there are some people out there that could really benefit from, yeah. from this. So that's so yeah, ding, 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 golden buzzer, you win. College <laughs> students, there's so many that are not going away, unfortunately, to yeah. their campuses and that are around. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I think that's something that, you know, I always like to, to try and pull out big rocks when I have the opportunity to host along, you know, alongside of you guys. And again, thanks for giving me this opportunity. I'm so thankful um, for you guys sharing this wisdom because I feel like this is stuff that, that are big rocks that people can take back to their team and literally launch full meetings off of. Um, you know, I think Joe, that's a huge rock. Gina, um, you know, I, I'd encourage you to buy that $20 nail set and negotiate for a small group leader, <laughs> you know, amen to that. Yeah. Uh, ship it my way, you know, because- I still haven't, <laughs> I still haven't figured out how to paint my little girl's nails, but what are some other big things like real practical, you guys that in this season that each of our listeners um, could potentially use to recruit leaders? I was sitting down with my team and one of the things they asked, and maybe a lot of um, the listeners out there thinking this too, is what am I recruiting leaders to do if we don't have program and we're sick of Zoom? what am I even inviting them into? And that's a question I've heard a lot. And one of the things that we found really helpful is we sat down and we just kind of said, okay, let's imagine a student in the month of, let's say, October. Pretend we can't meet in person and they could care less about Zoom. Let's imagine what we would hope for them. What do we hope they experience from our student ministry? What are all the touch points? How many text messages? Does a leader show up at their door with coffee? Are they engaged in some kind of Bible study they're doing on their own that they chat with with their small group through a, a group message? So we just dreamed that up and we just thought, how are we elevating community? How are we partnering with parents? Um, and that's what we want to present to our volunteers that, hey, this is the work we're called to do, whether we meet in person or not. And that's bring been it, really bring it back helpful. To vision. 
yeah, a helpful exercise for us to do as a team. I love that. Joe, what can you add to that? Yeah, practically what I've seen our, our campus guys doing is continuing to just intentionally have the conversations with current leaders, families, uh, and so on to see what it is that they need uh, in this upcoming season. I think that a lot of people experience that Zoom fatigue from that March to May timeframe. And I think a big reason why it happened March to May, even summer, is because we all had a very temporal mindset about this thing that, I mean, for me, transparently in March, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, we'll be back at it in April. You know, we'll be back in person and be rocking and rolling. Nobody knew anything. But when right. you're talking, like, it's going to end, it's going to end, it's going to end, you get tired of, you know, Zoom because you just want to meet in person and so on and so forth. And then summer hits and it's nice outside. And now the school year is here. And as it looks more and more likely that, hey, things are going to be online, schools are going to be doing more remote and, and virtual academies and everything. I think that it will maybe help curb a little bit um, and maybe be more excited about, hey, you know, we are ready for uh, our programming in person. You know, part of the things that we would share culturally, like this is a break from X, Y, Z. It's the break from the dredge of the school day or from the drama right. or so on and so forth. And although it's still online, it's like, hey, this online gets to be, experiences to be different than the online experience you've had through remote learning or virtual academy. So I think that thinking for those leaders is you've heard from them, yeah, there hasn't been this engagement, you know, people are tired and so on, is practically thinking through what are ways that we can best address that uh, and what are ways that we can help meet some of those felt needs for people in this season where, again, it might look a little bit more like it did in the spring than it has in the summer. So I think practically, as simple as it is, we need to hear from our people and stop just hypothetically guessing what we think we need based off of the three conversations we had. Um, is, Joe, is, is that one of the things that you would say over this last season you're, you're learning the most about leaders? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just what it is exactly that they, they need. And, and I think you know, one of the roles that we have as, as a leader is navigating the tension between um, desire and reality, right? Like we all have the desire, I would say, right here. It's like, we just wish everything was back to normal and we could all gather back together and it was all good. We'd have to worry about masks or people getting sick or anything. Like I think everyone wants that. That's a desire. Right. But the reality is that is a long way off, regardless of what you might think about coronavirus and masks and the government and so on and so forth. Reality is, is that normal is a long way off. And yeah. it's kind of that need to accept it, not in a defeating way, but accept it in a way that really just lets us best minister in this season. Uh, and so I think sometimes it's even help, like leading leaders through that. And um, as opposed to just making blanket statements, uh, I've been, I'm blessed with, you know, the campus guys and the team at the campus I work at, just reaching out and going on walks with leaders and having those phone calls and just saying, hey, how, how are you? What are you doing? What do you need? What do you think the students need this upcoming year? And how do we best provide that? Knowing that we can't do everything, but we can definitely do something. And that something can't just be complaining that things aren't normal. Um, we can, we can do that, but we got to get past it. So 
that's, I mean, practically, I think that it has to start with the conversations and getting actual information from people and, uh, and letting that kind of help inform the next decisions that you make. Um, and I think there's even wisdom in saying, this is what we're going to be doing for however long. Hey, EJ, you and I were having this conversation last week. This is what we're going to be doing. So let's just buckle down and this is what we're doing. I think right. one of the practical things we can do for leaders is just make a definitive decision with a longer timeline and say, yeah. hey, for the next three months, we're going to be online. Like no ifs, ands, and buts. So it's not like month to month or week to week. As much yeah. as you're going to be in person, and if you're a Woodsider and you're listening to this, we're recording on August 5th. Um, we haven't made any decisions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think there is an end where you can just say, okay, there's, I don't know. It just, I think it, it provides a better mindset for people to be able to say, okay, this is what we're preparing for. And so how do I best do ministry in this setting for the next three months, knowing these are the realities. These are the parameters. So that's maybe a longer and shorter answer there. But uh, those are some practical things I think we need to, to be doing is um, having real conversations, getting real information from, from leaders uh, and families, and think more long-term when it comes to planning and communicate it as such so people know what they're committing to for the next three, four months. You know, obviously you're asking to commit as leaders longer than that but at least they know for the next three four months this is what it would look like um i think it's better to do that and then have something change as opposed to having to change things every week so yeah. gina, gina i think over the years one of the things that joe joe and i have always noticed um with you and i think you know as i see you post in youth ministry um you know, forums and things like that. People have always commented like, Gina, you're thinking so far ahead. Thank you for thinking of those things. I've always loved that. And I've, I've come to really um, just, just count on you, at least in this community for that, uh, especially within multi-site. When, when it comes to leading leaders in this next season, in these coming months, mm -hmm. what are, what are some of the things that you guys at Harbor are still scratching your head around? Yeah. Um, gosh, Joe hit it a little bit. I think one is, yeah, people want clarity because what is, I think Brene Brown says, unclear is unkind. And a lot mm -hmm. of us, we don't have all the answers, but we can give some clear, hey, for the next two months, it's this, this is what we're planning on. If it needs to change, it needs to change. But just not, I think us not being afraid to make decisions so that we can be clear, we can show leadership. And then also on the flip side, not being afraid to be like, okay, this was the plan and now we have new information. We have to make a different plan. Um, so just not being afraid to make a decision and go, and go with that. Um, and the other thing I think is when you hear feedback from leaders, like, oh, my kids are Zoom fatigued or whatever, it's being able to discern between what is just an excuse and what is the excuse that's really hidden behind discouragement? And discouragement is the thing under the thing. Mm. Um, so trying to, I'm trying to navigate that. Like, I know I have a, a teenager who I'm loves a pithy screens. statement guy. Hold on one second. <laughs> I'm a pithy statement guy. Oh uh, yeah. Can you re-say that? Oh, so I said just discern between excuses and discouragement. Sometimes wow. it, the excuse is the excuse, but underneath that, there's probably some kind of discouragement that you need to dig a little deeper. Maybe their kids aren't showing up because they they 
don't feel a sense of community, like there's something else there. So how can we create a community of belonging that kids want to show up to, whether it's online or not? Um, I have a teenager. He's on Discord all day if he's allowed to and on Xbox. Mm. I don't think they're screen fatigued if there's community. Right. Yeah. So let's lean into that. Joe, do you see that as well? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, Gina, what you just hit on makes me think of conversations I've had before, you know, in the past with students who are like, I don't, I don't want to show up. Everybody's mean to me. It's like, no, not everyone's mean to you. Like there is, it usually speaks to a, a deeper issue that's going on that for mm-hmm. one, me as the leader of the ministry, I have to say, okay, what needs to change? What's true about that statement? Are there people who are unkind? Are we not as welcoming? Uh, and so on. But, you know, there's, there's even some things on the student's part. For everyone to say, oh, you know, they're just Zoom fatigued. It's like, well, yes and no. This is, I mean, this is Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, right. Most of them <laughs> by screens. Now, some of them will say, I need to take a break from my phone or so on and so forth. Um, as they as they mature and they see some of the the toll and weight that social media can have on us at times, even as we do as millennials and Gen X and down the line. But yeah, I, I love Gina. That's so good. And, and EJ, I would I'm I'm going to echo that completely. And I think I'm going to bring that to. I have a team meeting tomorrow, saying, Hey, yeah. you know, when someone says they're Zoom fatigue, that's that's a part of the pie graph. But how big? I think we're making it way too big a part of the conversation, and we need to make the conversation more about what Gina just said. How are those groups really fostering an intentional, engaging community that Mm -hmm. makes students want to show up? Because I'm sure Gina and I can both point to, we've had some groups that they've they've had some, some kids continue to show up in larger numbers in quotations there. Uh, on Zoom still, even in the yeah. mid of second, mm-hmm. third, fourth month of needing to do so. So that's, that's really, really good. Um, let, let, me, let me press in, in here a little bit. And Joe, uh, Gina, what I would love to do is after this question, I'd love to um, post a poll on our, on our multi-multi Instagram. And if you're not following us, make sure you, you do. Um, and then in the show notes, let's try and publish what we're finding with the results to this as people go and listen to it. Cause we're a little bit out um, before we post this is recruiting people right now. How on track are we with retention? Are we at you know, across the the board here in Michigan, again, again, the east side of Michigan and the west side of Michigan, are we at, hey, we're still tracking, you know, normally. We're at 80%, and that's usually where we're at. Are we down? Are we up? Because I'd love to get a scene of that um, nationally so that, you know, we can have some further conversation around that. Where are we at right now, recruiting and retention-wise? Are we doing good? Yeah, EJ, that's a that's a really good thought. Uh, for for myself, I just pull up a document that we use to track leaders and everything. Uh, I'd say we're we are we're pretty much on track. Uh, I've got two go getters who oversee our leaders, and they would say we're about two weeks behind because they would like to have everybody committed, you know, uh, two weeks ago, which I appreciate about them. And okay, about ninety percent, and our our current need is sixth grade leaders. And which we see because so many of our leaders move up, as we talked about earlier. Sure. 
so many of them move up. So usually our greatest need is sixth grade leaders. And I talked with our kids ministry staff and that's a, a culture they're looking to, to create. And I told them, I, I welcome them creating it because it makes me uh, recruiting sixth grade leaders a lot easier. <laughs> if they're, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. But um, so, so yeah, we're about 90%. We still have a handful of sixth grade leaders that we still need. But going back to what you said earlier and circling back to that part of the conversation, a big reason why is because we ask early and often and we cast the vision that when you're committing as a leader, although we're asking just for this year, we're going to have you be thinking about doing it for two, three, four years and beyond, which again, does, does help. Um, it helps us, you know, know what our needs are earlier uh, and fill them sooner. And it, it helps just retaining leaders because I'm not looking to retain leaders. I'm looking to, to get people committed to faithfully serving Christ by discipling students for years and years and years. So, um, yeah, we're, we're blessed So, Gina, how about you guys? Yeah. Uh, I think like a lot of us know, one, I love that you want data. Data is good. Yeah. We should measure things, right? Um, but I think uh, what a lot of us have experienced over the pandemic is things that were bad got worse and things that were good got better. Um, but just, I have leaders that aren't returning, but I'm not surprised. Like I already okay. kind of knew, oh, you wanted to go on this mission thing to Thailand for a year, whether or not that happens or whatever. And or another person was already struggling with the time commitment. And mm -hmm. I think the pandemic maybe gave them permission to step away when I kind of knew that was the best thing, but your go-getter leaders who are super engaged are just, they're just after it. So I don't know that it's significantly changed things, like no big surprises. So I'd be interested to hear what other people's experiences have been with leader retention. Got it. Okay, guys, final thoughts on um, uh, leader recruitment uh, during the pandemic season. Yeah, I, I would just remember that, you know, this is just a season and the work that we're doing is timeless uh, and, and that students remember more than we give them credit for. Uh, so it's really important that we are keeping keeping the main thing, the main thing that we're continuing to, to put that in front of our leaders. Um, so I would just I encourage people like, hey, listen, this this problem is not not going to overtake you. God has got people in your midst that are there. Um, and sometimes you just got to dig a little bit deeper to, to find them. But um, I get it. Uh, it's tough. It's tough work to do. It's hard work to do. And it can be discouraging to do. But I think when we remember that God put us in that place to do this work, um, and, and we put more of the, the emphasis on where we need to grow at as leaders, um, and less on the, well, these people just don't get it. They might not get it, but we're the ones who are delivering it to them to begin with. So we got to, we got to check our hearts in that way. And again, look for the opportunity. So stay encouraged, know that God is doing a good work and we will see it through together as brothers and sisters. Yeah. Pray. I Amen. like that. My final you know. challenge uh, or encouragement would be if recruiting leaders is a high priority for you and your ministry, make it a high priority every day on your calendar. Otherwise it gets pushed to tomorrow and the day after tomorrow, then you find yourself stressed out. So make room on your calendar to sit down and do the phone calling or the contact work to recruit. That's awesome. 
It's so good. You know, guys, I, um, I think these are the conversations that we need to be having around our teams. I often say that within our episodes, and, and that's the reason we pick the topics that we do. I'm praying uh, for each and every one of you who are listening right now that in this season, as you're leading teams, as you're recruiting leaders, and um, you're finding the right people to continue to disciple our, our students, that God abundantly provides for each and every one of you. Obviously, Gina and Joe, I pray that for you guys as well and the amazing teams that you guys serve. Uh, we love absolutely sharing during these episodes, but the key to this is that we want to learn alongside of each and every one of you. So would you do us a favor? Would you go ahead and would you comment on this episode, how we can continue to learn, interact with us on all of our social media channels. Joe, will you drop those for us real quick? Yeah, we are multi multi pod on Instagram and Twitter. So holler at us, please. And as always, um, if there's anything we can do to resource you and your church as you're on this journey, uh, please let us know. Joe, I'm sure people would love to see that tracking jo- document um, that you guys, uh, you referenced a minute or two ago. I just keep pulling free stuff out of you, Joe. But uh, I, I know you're a generous guy. So Anytime I give you a blessing. <laughs> so multi, multi-site student ministry, folks, we love you guys. God loves you more. We can't wait to um, have you jump in the next episode with us. Make sure you tune in. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye, everybody.